0: Another episode of the Beulah Girl Podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl Podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you've chosen to listen in. We are in episode three of a series called Rejoicing in Trials. If you have not tuned in to the previous two episodes, I encourage you to do so. I talked about the idea of being joyful in the midst of suffering. And this can be an idea that may come across as a little offensive or irritating if you are someone that you're going through something tough and someone says to you, oh, be joyful. But I drew some lessons from James 1, 2 through 4. And actually what that verse is saying is not that the hard things we go through are joyful in and of themselves, but that they produce good things in us. And that is a reason for joy. And so I talked about that in episode one, and then I expanded on that idea further in episode two, just talking about the idea that when we allow trials to work in us, that they bring us along to spiritual maturity. They make us better fit to be servants in God's kingdom. And Some very good things can come out of the hard things that we face. And in this episode, I want to focus on just practically the idea of what we can do in a trial. Because it's wonderful to know that the trials we go through, that they have a purpose, that they're producing good things in us. But what can we do when we're confused and we're angry and we're sad? What is the best thing that we can do in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of the hardship that we're going through, what does that look like exactly? And we are going to be drawing once again from James, but we're going to be moving away from James one two through four, and focusing on James one five, which I'll read in a minute, and drawing on that before I get to reading that though, I'd like to just kind of kick off the episode with a story that came to mind as i was was I was writing this um, post, which you can check out on BeulahGirl.com, but just writing this and thinking about what I wanted to talk about in this episode, I was reminded of a very hard season I went through in my life. I've told this story numerous times. So if you are someone who you've listened to previous episodes, you may be familiar with this, but if not, if you're brand new to the podcast, then you'll be hearing this for the first time. But years ago, I went through a really hard season where I had left my job and I didn't know why I knew God was leading me in a new direction. And he had promised me there was a promise he had made to me years before that, that I would be used in music ministry. I had given up on really music. I tried to pick a practical career, which I did. I became a teacher and there was just part of me that was really sad about the fact that I thought, you know, thought that the music thing was dead. I was never going to go down that path. And God reminded me of that dream and really called me away from teaching. And I was excited and scared at the same time. I left a paycheck behind a, you know, my title, um, my salary and, you know, just stepped out in blind faith, really having nothing lined up and, we made a lot of sacrifices as a family for me to be able to leave my job. I became a stay-at-home mom. But I assumed that I would just transition very quickly into whatever God had for me. And I didn't realize that there was going to be a lot of pain in the um, in the path that I was on. And that there were some lessons that God was going to teach me. And it wasn't going to be an instant an instant transition from, you know, my career as a teacher into the next thing God had for me. And that was just a rude shock. And where, you know, I had, was just in a situation where in previous, you know, jobs, circumstances, I felt like very competent. I felt like people thought I did a good job, that they liked me. But then I got myself in a situation where I didn't really feel like really that wanted. I didn't really feel that noticed. I didn't feel like anyone really was that impressed. And all the things that I had done earlier before to get people to like me or to feel like I was appreciated. I mean, it just didn't work. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I just didn't feel like I was being all that successful in this new path I was going down and I really just couldn't understand what was going on and why things weren't really working out and why it felt like I was just coming up against a wall that I couldn't get around and I was trying to get some projects going and nothing was working and I couldn't really understand. And I found myself one, one night at a prayer meeting And I was just desperate. And the pastor asked if anyone wanted prayer to come forward. And so there weren't really that many people there. There was just a few. And I was one of the few that went up to the altar. And it was a little awkward because there were literally, I don't know, three or four people standing there. It wasn't this big mass of people that you could kind of hide in the crowd. And so I felt very exposed and I felt like everyone was staring at me probably, But I went up and I was so angry. I was so confused. And I had been a Christian for a long time up to that point, but I had never been that angry with God before. I had never been on the brink of basically leaving my faith. I did not want to follow the path God had for me any longer. I wasn't sure if I could trust him. I felt so confused because I had been so sure of the direction he'd asked me to go and then everything just seemed to be falling apart and I didn't understand. And so all of these thoughts were swirling around my head. I hadn't told anyone there what I was thinking, but this was all going on in my head and I just needed God to give me an answer. I needed him to tell me what was going on. I needed him to speak. And I was standing up there and the pastor said, don't, don't turn away. Don't walk away. And I knew that even though I hadn't talked to the pastor, even though he didn't know what was going on, I knew that God had given him those words to say, because that is exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to turn away. I wanted to walk away. I wanted to just leave and just say, okay, I've had it, God, I'm done. And by him saying that, by the pastor saying that, I knew that God was telling me not to leave. I knew he was telling me to submit to the season I was in, even though it was super hard and I didn't understand. And I left the altar not having all of the answers. I didn't know why exactly everything was happening the way that it was happening, which God would give me those answers later down the road. And I'll share those with you uh, more towards the end of the podcast, but I didn't have all the answers, but I did know in that moment that God did know what was going on, that he wanted me to walk through the hardship, that he had a plan and that even though he wasn't going to reveal to me all that night, that I could trust him. And certainly in looking back at that season, I gained lessons from it that still influence how I walk with God today. And I would never want to walk through that season again, but I can see the value of what I learned. And so just this idea that we'll be talking about in this podcast of those hard times where we are going through something so difficult that we may even want to abandon our faith. We may even want to run away from God and we may even not trust God at the moment, but if we simply press in, that we will get the wisdom that we need. James 1.5 in the Amplified says, If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Now, I want to just say very quickly that this is a verse that I had always assumed was just referring to any circumstance you go through that you need wisdom, ask God. I never viewed this verse as in any way connected with the previous verses, James 1, 2 through 4, which talk about trials. I just thought, you know, if you ever need help or need wisdom, that this verse is just telling you to ask God. And it is definitely telling us that. Except scholars don't really agree that if it's just referring to any circumstance or if it's specifically connected to the previous verse. I want to read the previous passage. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I read this particular uh, passage in the NIV um, not the amplified, which I read James one, five and amplified. But as I shared in part one and part two of this series, I just talked about this idea that this verse is urging us to be joyful in the midst of our trials, not because trials are wonderful in it, in and of themselves, not because they are wonderful. And we're so excited to be in pain. That would be weird. And as one commentator, I read said, he said, you know, that would be entirely insincere to say, I'm so happy to be going through pain right now. But what this verse is telling us is that we can be joyful because of what these trials produce in us. They produce perseverance. And perseverance really is this idea of being able to endure and keep going in the midst of hardships. And also just this idea of continually submitting to God and listening and, and doing what he says time and time again, and, and continuing on in a steady manner, the path that he has for us. Of course, not perfect, but just attempting to, in every way, be open to and submissive and obedient to what he's telling us to do in our, in our lives. And This perseverance if it's allowed to and not hindered by rebellion or you know by us running away basically that if it's allowed to do its work that it's going to bring us to spiritual maturity and that these trials God allows not only does it they do they test the genuineness of our faith but they are put into our lives allowed because they um, are producing in us what's not there and what is needed so that as the verse tells us so that we will be maturing complete not lacking anything so the idea here is not that God is a mean ogre in the sky giving us a test and saying okay you pass or fail what he's providing in our lives are these opportunities to help us grow in our spiritual walk and and yes, also just determine, you know, how far along we are, what is needed for us to grow. So if we look at James 1.5, which talks about asking God for wisdom as connected with the previous section, which talks about being joyful in trials and our trials producing in us perseverance and leading us on to spiritual maturity, we can see that if we look at them as connected, we can see that the verse is actually urging us to seek God in our trials. And it could be any situation, but certainly in our trials and ask for wisdom about how to approach our circumstance. Because so often we will find ourselves in a situation that God allowed or even orchestrated. And yet the ironic thing, even though it's God who's, allowed what he has in our life, oftentimes we don't turn to him and ask him for wisdom in the circumstance we're in. We simply try to get out of the trial. We try to escape the pain. We may even get angry at God or want to turn away from our faith, but James is urging us in this to, to ask God because He is the only one who can tell us why we're going through what we're going through. And if there's something we're supposed to be learning, or if there's a reason we're in the trial we're in, that if we truly are wanting to allow the trial to do its work and bring us on to spiritual maturity, which is what all of us are you know, we're all, God intends for us to grow in our spiritual walk. And so if we're going to be led along and grow in our spiritual walk, then we have to allow trials to do their work. And we have to press in and ask God, you know, what's going on here? And not simply try to escape as so often we, we do in the midst of a trial. I love this. As I was kind of studying to prepare for this podcast, I was reading in the IVP commentary, New Testament commentary. I think that's... I hope that's the right... I think, yeah, I think it's IVP New Testament commentary is the whole title. But um, one of the things I was talking about is that in a trial, the cry of a Christian's heart is, I don't know what to do, right? We just... That is what we're often saying is, not only are we just wanting to escape it, but a lot of times we just simply are saying, you know, I don't know what to do. And we may just be turning here and there and trying to get answers, but it's in turning to God that we're going to be given the solution. And in addition, the passage tells us that we can ask confidently for wisdom, knowing God will give us what we ask. So we don't have to fear that our failings, our past mistakes will prevent us from hearing from God. We are justified because of Jesus' work on the cross. And so we can approach God and ask him for wisdom because Jesus has justified us. And so we don't have to worry that God won't give us an answer or maybe the way that we're failing will prevent us from receiving an answer. It says in the passage, God gives generously and without rebuke or blame to those who ask. This seems so obvious, but... Again, I was I was reading and studying. One of the ideas that I really liked that I came across that is so simple and I didn't even notice it on my own. But the Biblical Illustrator has a collection, it's a collection of different um comment you know, commentators and their different ideas that they have given in analysis, I guess you could say, of the passage. But one of the comments I read on there was just this idea that you know, in the passage, the idea is given that, that the lacking man or person is the one that's encouraged to ask. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom. So it's saying, you know, if you're lacking the wisdom to proceed or to know what course to take or why this hardship has come into your life, then, then you are in the perfect position to ask of God. And so, the the idea is that we can ask but so often I think we expect of ourselves that we should have it more pulled together or that maybe God will be angry at us or maybe God expects us to know what to do or that he will be irritated because maybe we've had to ask just the previous week or the previous day or maybe even earlier in that day we've had to ask and we think well you know, we can't come again with this question or he's going to expect me to know what to do. or and, and this verse is assuring us that God wants to give us wisdom, that he's available for us, that he wants to give to us. And maybe we, we have failed. Maybe we are in the position we're in because of some of our own choices. And even in those situations, God wants to give us the wisdom we need to get out of the situation and even, even um, receive good from the bad that we are currently experiencing. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Similarly, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I had a pastor at my old church. He used to say frequently, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. He used to always say that. And when I was preparing this, it was just a phrase that came to my mind because so often we think we have to figure out a solution, get our situation in better order before approaching God, somehow, if we can just do enough good deeds to somehow bolster ourselves up so we're in a better position to ask of God or, you know, somehow make up for a failing of ours. But this passage is telling us that we don't have to do those things. We can approach God because He, we are justified because of Jesus' work on the cross, He makes us acceptable in the sight of God. And maybe there is a sin issue in our life that we need to confess and we don't even know how to really even approach. And even when we're confused about that, that maybe God will help, you know, will help to point out that when we, when we go to him, but that he is not going to refuse us if we earnestly are seeking him and want to know what to do in our life that we are wanting his wisdom. We can come to God in whatever state we are in, and he is the one. He will help us to sort out the tangled pieces of our situation, make sense of the confusing events, give us peace and wisdom. Sometimes we don't always get an explanation for everything that happens, but certainly if we need guidance and, and we we need to know what direction to go, God will give us and even when he doesn't necessarily give us all of the explanations we want he will certainly give us peace and give us what we need to continue on in our journey we don't have to hide we don't have to stand back for fear that he won't answer us we can approach him and he will answer i want to just go back to the story that i started with at the beginning of the podcast the pastor, um, again, he took, you know, he was saying don't turn away and I didn't get any more answers that night, but it was after I went home and I just kept on pursuing God for answers about my situation that he did in fact answer me. And I'm going to tell you that the answer he gave me wasn't really easy. It kind of came in pieces, quite honestly, But what I discovered was that the situation I was in, there were many layers of learning that I gained from it. But the reason that God allowed me to, in my estimation, fail, um, to not be successful, to not be able to use my winning qualities to impress others is that God allowed that situation to reveal to me that I had used people's affirmation, my job title. I had used other things in my life to bolster up my worth or my sense of identity because I didn't feel good about myself. And I had a very low self-worth that I was attempting to, to, I guess, compensate for by my accomplishments or achievements or performance and as long as I could get others to notice me as long as I felt like I got affirmation for my work then I felt good about myself and I was really resting my entire sense of worth on what other people said and thought of me and certainly it's good to have a good work ethic to to So get affirmation from others but if you boost your whole you know rest your whole sense of worth on that that it's a faulty place to rest and the only place that we can rest our identity in is Christ because that is the only thing that will not fail that will not crumble away we can fail ourselves. You know, we're not always going to make perfect decisions. We're not always going to be able to perform as well as we want to. We're not always going to be able to get people to like us. And so in that season, God really allowed me to fall on my face because it was through that hard time that I realized that I was really basing how I felt about myself on the wrong things. And it was a painful way to learn. And I even had this dream during that season that I didn't understand until later, but I had this dream of a postmaster. It was actually my sister, but I had this dream that she was a postmaster, that she was a working for the, you know, post office and she was delivering packages and she was delivering to, to these people and she was just throwing the packages in their yard and no one said anything about it till she got to this one woman's house and she threw the package in the yard and the woman picked up the package, walked back up to her, made a huge fuss and said that she didn't want that package, even though it was delivered to her, unless it was delivered correctly. She wanted it placed in her box. She didn't want it thrown in her yard. And I woke up from the dream and I didn't understand the dream until much later, probably a year after I had that dream. But the dream was really representative of me. I was the woman in the dream who did not want the package delivered. God was giving me a gift of learning about myself and learning to how to base my identity on him and not the wrong things, which I've now turned into an entire ministry to help others do the same. But I didn't want to learn that lesson in the way that he was teaching. I didn't want to learn it through a painful circumstance. I would have rather him just pointed out a Bible verse or, you know, told me in my quiet time, just said, Hey girl, you know, this is what you've been doing. But he chose to teach me through a a painful circumstance. And it's a lesson that I has been very vivid for me because it was learned in a very painful way. And So also during that season, not only did he reveal to me what, why I was going through that, but really began to reveal to me, um, how to get out of that season and just some steps. And I was also experiencing hardship because that even though I was following God in the new direction I was going, that there had been some things that I had bypassed that even as I was left my job, I really felt like I was supposed to get some things right that I was so obsessed with having a perfect image that there were some ways that I had really cut corners at work there were there was uh some field trip money that was only a few dollars that i'd been that I hadn't um that had been left in my desk that had never been turned in on time and i as time went on, I'd just been afraid to tell them because so much time had passed I figured well, they're gonna think I'm stealing money so I never turned it in because I thought it was too long after the date. So I just left it at my desk because I was like, well, you know, I can't take this money because it's not mine. But I really felt like before I left teaching that I was supposed to tell my department head, there was also some vocab, um, fees again, that uh, there was nothing that I had, um, done in handling money out of, you know, there was nothing I had done because I wanted to do the wrong thing or I was somehow stealing money, but there were some, some you know money I had collected that honestly either got left in my desk because I they got lost under some papers and I was like too ashamed to turn it in late or it was like the field trip money where I had just figured you know if I turn this in now they're going to see how unorganized I am and you know um, the truth is as a teacher you just have so much to keep up with that It's, it's hard to be perfect in everything, especially high school teacher. I had 130 students. And so, yeah, there was some things that slid beneath its cracks and God really told me, you know, um, you need to tell your department head about this and, and make this right. And I just was like, no, I'm not doing that because I didn't want to, um, look bad. And so I had to go back to, and, and so I had to go back to my job and do that. And it was very awkward. It would have been a lot easier to do it before I left, but God was gracious and helped me. And there was just other things that I, again, um, felt like I needed to go back and and do some apologies that I hadn't been in my effort to be perfect and to have other people like me. I had cut a lot of corners um, and wasn't a good Christian example in a lot of ways to my classes when I was a teacher Um, And then there were just some other ways that, again, some people I needed to go back to. And it was through those steps that God really taught me what he was wanting me to learn. And eventually he did get me out of the situation and I did not have to, you know, go through that um, more than just a season. So I, I tell that story to say that, you know, God even though I was in a situation I was in, in many ways because of my choices, um, that God gave me the wisdom I needed to be able to get out of that situation. And I even was blessed through that process in that I, I learned a lot about myself and have been able to share those lessons with others about, you know, that may be struggling with low self-worth and maybe compensating in really unhealthy ways um, for that, And I would not have learned that had I not gone through a hard time. I love this. um, In Mark 10, 46, there's a story of a blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. And he hears that Jesus is coming by. And he starts yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there are other people who are telling him, to be quiet, to stop speaking, but he just keeps on yelling because he knows that if he can get Jesus's attention, that Jesus will help him. And sure enough, Jesus stops and, and says, you know, call that man to me. And he asks the man, you know, what is it you want from me? And he, and Bartimaeus says, I, I want to see. And Jesus says that he, you know, your faith has healed you. And Bartimaeus gets Jesus's attention and Jesus responds and I love that story of when no one else wanted to listen to him and everyone else was telling him be quiet he called out to Jesus and he was desperate and Jesus stopped what he was doing and he listened and he came to his aid and I think you know we might not be blind we might not be a beggar on the side of the road but we may be desperate and we may be calling to Jesus and and Jesus is going to answer, or maybe we're just debating in our minds, and we're thinking, "Well, I just don't know that anything's going to happen in my situation if I call to Him. He probably doesn't want to hear about it." Or, he he maybe you've been praying about something for so long that you just are like wanting to give up, and maybe God just hasn't chosen to answer yet in the way that you want, or in the way that. um you, you really feel like you have a tangible answer. Sometimes God doesn't answer in the way we want, quite honestly. He'll answer according to his will and according to his own timing. But the encouragement really is not only with um, in James with asking God for wisdom, but also in Mark 10, 46, the story of Bartimaeus is just this idea of, you know, we have a God who, who listens. He's going to stop. He's going to pause like Jesus um, did in the story of Bartimaeus, and he's going to respond. So as James 1, 6 con- concludes, we will receive the answer we seek as long as we believe. So we're going to receive wisdom. Um, again, it may not be exactly like the the wisdom we're hoping for. Like we may get an answer we, we're, we uh, weren't really hoping for. God may tell us something we don't really want to hear, but we are going to get wisdom from God. As, as long as we simply seek him, ask and do not doubt that God will indeed answer because he promises us that he will give wisdom to those who ask. Let's pray. Lord, maybe some of us listening have found ourselves in situations that are confusing. There may be a lot of pieces, tangled parts that seem so completely overwhelming. It may even be like a ball of yarn that's all wrapped together and we just don't know how to unwrap all of the, the pieces and even see the single, you know, string again, that it's all so convoluted that we're just not even sure where to turn. And maybe we've read books or maybe we've talked to friends or maybe we've, um, you know, we're, we're just not sure, but we haven't turned to you, Lord. And the encouragement in this passage is that you aren't gonna turn us away. You're not going to lecture us because we need help again. You're not going to be angry with us or disappointed because we can't figure it out. You're going to give us the wisdom that we cannot get anywhere else. The wisdom that comes from you is not like any worldly wisdom. It is beyond that, Lord. It is not the the wisdom we can find anywhere else. You're going to give us wisdom that is going to help us navigate our situation, help us to make the best decisions and it's not going to be that which we can find everywhere anywhere else so let us be encouraged to seek you to look for that wisdom that it encourages us to look for in this passage and thank you lord that you don't leave us alone but you care enough about us that you encourage us to ask when we need help and wisdom in jesus name amen